Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Tonight, uh, I am going to just unpause my button right here. You see, I paused it this morning. I'm going to unpause it, and we're going to go right back into our series that we've been teaching, and we'll receive God's tithe and your offering at the end of the service. We've been talking about the Bible portrait of a humble man. Have y'all been learning a lot? I know I have gained a lot of insight into this uh, subject just in studying and preparing. I didn't know Jesus taught so much about it. Until I began looking at it, I didn't know how, how he exampled it so distinctly until I began searching it and how much the New Testament. We looked at some New Testament scriptures today that showed us uh, the New Testament call to humility. But we're seeing a lot, and I just want to revisit the instruction that God gave me back on uh, uh, October the 9th, I believe it was, when he spoke this to me of this year. He said, we're entering a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. And he gave me five specific things for us to focus on. Number one, know the leading with a certainty. Number two, practice obedience. Number three, develop humility and the love walk. Number four, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. Number five, the trust in God, His ways and His word are safeguards. Hallelujah. Now, in those we have been teaching since the Lord spoke this to me, Pastor and I both have been teaching. I know he's uh, emphasizing the walk of faith. In a lot of the messages that he's teaching, I dealt with the leading of the Lord for a little bit. But the teaching on humility, we have uh, been on that in my last session here for the two sessions and then this morning. And we're going to continue along tonight. But tonight I want to come from a different angle. Because I feel like we've reviewed a little bit and I don't want anybody to feel like, okay, she already said that part. I don't need to write it down. So we're going to come at it from a different angle, and we're going to look at it uh, from the aspect of seeing what God thinks about pride, because we've already seen that the definition of humility means to go low or to bow, and it means low or lowliness, and then the definition of pride means high-mindedness, haughty, or lifted up. And so that's the, the end of the, the, the extreme, from one extreme to the other, the total end of the spectrum from, from humility. And so I want to look at uh, seeing pride from God's perspective. Now, first of all, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29, he said, I want you to learn this about me. Take my yoke upon you and learn this. I am meek and humble 
lowly in heart. That's the amplified of Matthew eleven twenty nine. I am meek and humble and lowly in heart. So Jesus specifically told us as disciples, I want you to learn this. And he wants us to not just learn it, oh, Jesus was that way. But he wants us to learn this and put it to practice in our lives to be the exact same way. He exampled it so that we could follow his example. And he said, I want you to learn this about me. I am humble. And when you learn this and you begin to practice it in your life, you're going to find rest and relief and ease and refreshment. Hallelujah. Do you want that? Do you want the rest and the ease and the refreshment? We've also seen that there is a spiritual law. That there is a spiritual law. Jesus talked about it a couple of different times in his teachings. This spiritual law is whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That's a spiritual law. You don't, it's like, uh, it's by default, in place. You don't have to try to make it happen. It is the way it works. And this morning we found out that the key to working the kingdom of God system is a a lifestyle developing in our character this humility because that humility is the way of the kingdom. He said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, if you want to be great in the kingdom, and I want to be, if I want to be great anywhere, it's in the kingdom. If I want to do it right anywhere, I want to do it right in God's way of doing, right? That's where I want to be great. I don't want to be great in the world. I don't want to be great on the world stage. I want to be great in God's eyes. I want God to say, that's what I'm talking about, Michelle. You're on target, girl. That's what I want to hear, right? So he said, if you want to be great, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to become a servant. He said, you've got to become. In one place, he said, you've got to be converted and become like a child. Talking about that submissive, innocent, not trying to vaunt myself, not trying to climb my own corporate ladder, but that I am trying to submit to the will and the plan of God. And so he said, you've got to become, and that's the key to the kingdom way of doing things, is that you humble yourself. And we know that the scripture tells us, and we'll probably go there in a little bit, but uh, that when... When God gives grace, who does he give grace to? He doesn't give grace to the proud, does he? The proud don't get any grace. And, you know, we need the grace of God. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. We need the grace of God. The grace of God is God's willingness to help us, to use all of his resources on our behalf, not based on our merit, but based on his goodness, right? And so that grace, that that grace is something we need in every area. You could say the grace of God is God's help. Do you need God's? If you had enough of God's grace, is there anything you couldn't do, right? If you had enough of God's grace. And so he says he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble, but then it says he resists the proud. We'll probably look a little bit closer at that as we go forward. But today I want to look from this other angle, and I want us to see from God's viewpoint what God sees about pride. Isaiah 2 and verse 17. Isaiah 2 and verse 17. Then the loftiness of man, and I'll I'll ask for the amplified here. Then the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, 
and the haughtiness of men shall be brought low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. The loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be brought low. Well, we don't want to be brought low. We want to just bring ourselves low, right? We don't, we don't want anything else to have to bring us low. Let's bring ourselves low. So Proverbs chapter 6 is a great way to see God's perspective on the workings of pride. Proverbs chapter 6, let's look at verse 16. Hallelujah. We were praying before service, and the Lord showed me an image. Just in my, in my spirit, I saw an image, and it was the, an old time, it was like a, a, a wheel that a blacksmith would use, and they would like, they would get that wheel, they would pump something with their foot, and it would make that wheel spin, and that wheel, they would lay the sword down against that wheel, and it would sharpen the sword. And the Lord said, that's what we're doing in these teachings. We're sharpening your swords. All of y'all are being sharpened by God. As we're, as we're taking these scriptures and we're feeding our spirits with these scriptures and we're letting the light of this shine an image of God's viewpoint of humility and pride, we're, we're sharpening our swords, our spirit. So he says in Proverbs 6, let's look at 16, these Six things does the Lord hate. These six things does the Lord hate. Yes, seven are an abomination unto him. I want to know what the Lord hates so that I don't have any part of it. And it says in verse 17, a proud look. A proud look is first on the list. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that sows discord among the brethren. A proud look is in some pretty bad company there. A proud look is right there with hands that shed innocent blood. That's murder. Right? A proud look is right there with murder. A proud look is right there with a heart that devises wicked imaginations. And so a proud look, a haughty, the the center column reference of my Bible says haughty eyes. Haughty, that was one of the words that we saw as a definition for pride. This is one of the things the Lord hates. I don't want anything in my life that the Lord hates. Amen? Amen? Proverbs chapter 8, Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, colon. You know, when a colon is put in there, it's going to give you something on one side of the sentence that is equal to in value or importance as what's on the other side of the sentence. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. So he just just defined what hating evil. Evil is pride, arrogancy, 
and the evil way. So a lot of times we wouldn't put pride in the same place with something evil, but God does. God says pride is evil. Arrogancy is evil. He said pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Did it say God hates pride? Does it say God hates arrogancy? That's how our Heavenly Father considers, perceives, that's His viewpoint, that's His take on pride. So is there any pride that I want in my life? Am I, am I proud to be an American? That was a trick question. Is there any pride? Does it say pride and arrogancy do I hate? Am I thrilled to be an American? Yes, I am. Am I grateful to be an American? Yes, I am. But I can, I can enjoy my citizenship and my country without having to enter into pride about it. Am I proud of my children? I'm pleased with my children. I'm thrilled about my children. I'm so grateful for the, the life that they're, they're walking. But pride is something the Lord hates. This is a renewing of the mind. It's a renewing of the mind. It is a, a bringing a, a different aspect to the way that I express things. And it took me a while. That was one that took me a while. Because I would say, well, I'm just so proud of you. And I would have to stop and say, okay, I've got to rethink that. I've got to find a different way to say that. You know, for years, I tried to get my mother to stop saying that thrilled her to death. She was, she was just so cute and southern. Oh, honey, that just thrills me to death. I say, mama, stop it. Thrills you to life. It thrills you to life. Tickles you to life. It doesn't tickle you to death. Tickles you to life. Couldn't, I, she, it was just in her vocabulary. Well, that's what was with pride for me. I would say, I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of the way you handled that. I'm just so proud of the way you sang that. I'm just so proud of how you did in your play today at school. And, and, and I had to say, wait a minute, I got to stop using the proud word because it's not pride that I'm trying to, to express. It's my thrill. Think about, think about God when... The windows, when, when, when the heavens opened up and Jesus came out of the river Jordan and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm so proud. Well, please. So he was expressing his pleasure. He was expressing his, his uh, uh, good will toward Jesus but pride wasn't the way he expressed it. So can we adjust the way that we verbalize and express that? Why? Because we're saying, I don't want pride. Even, even things that our society mar uh, marks as, uh, be proud to be this, proud to be an American. Forgive me for throwing y'all under the bus with that one. <laughs> I, was, I didn't mean to put y'all under the bus with that. But it, it was, it's just one of those things that it's, it's in our vocabulary, but we've got to recognize, wait a minute. I'm not proud. I don't want to be proud. I'm, I'm pleased. I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm, I'm patriotic. 
but, I, but God hates pride, so I don't want it. Amen? Praise God. So when we look at God's perspective, he said, pride and arrogancy, I hate it. The evil way, the froward mouth, yes, but pride, I hate it. Arrogancy, I hate it. That's what God said. Looks at, uh, let's look at 16, Proverbs 16 and verse 5. Everyone that is proud in heart, whoo, mercy, if this one just doesn't come right down and just lay it out straight, no question. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Is that like in your face clear? No question, right? Everyone that is proud, and you don't even have to amplify that. You can just go King James Version and understand it, right? Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Mercy. Proverbs 21, verse 4. A high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. A high look and a proud heart is sin. A proud look is sin. A high look, a proud heart, it's sin. Hallelujah. So God calls it sin. It's something God hates. Why? Because it's not our nature. It's not the nature of our born-again spirit. It's the nature of the enemy, and it destroys lives. There's nothing good that pride produces. There's nothing productive that pride does for us. Pride always hurts people. So God hates it because he loves us. He doesn't hate the proud, the the person, he hates the pride operating in their life. Why? Because it will destroy that person. Hallelujah. Let's go back to chapter 11 of Proverbs and let's find out the effects that pride will have on our life. Proverbs 11 and verse 2. This is why God hates it. We want to know why does God hate pride so much? Well, because it's the nature of the enemy, it's his character, and because of what it does to us. Proverbs 11, 2. When pride comes, then comes shame. When pride comes, what's going to follow it? Shame. Why? Because whoever exalts himself is going to be humbled. Right? Not in a good way. So when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the lowly, that's the humility definition. With the humble, you could say, is wisdom. So you would see then that pride and shame are here on one side and humility and wisdom are on the other. Humility and wisdom on the other. Okay, chapter 15, Proverbs 15. Verse 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. Mercy. 
Proverbs 16, 18. We're letting the light shine, aren't we? Letting the light of the word shine on our path. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. I don't want destruction. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before... I don't want to fall either. So how do I avoid the destruction and avoid the fall? I avoid the pride and the haughty spirit. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now I see why God hates it. Because of what it does to our lives. And then we see in chapter 29, Proverbs 29... And verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. A man's pride shall bring him low. These are things that pride does in our lives. It brings shame. It causes destruction. It comes before the fall. It brings us low. This is why God doesn't want pride operating in the lives of his people. Another thing that pride does is it causes a numbness or a blinding to the mind. Daniel chapter 5. And I'm going to switch back over to the Amplified here. Daniel chapter 5. The pride don't see things clearly. The, the, the proud don't see things clearly. Pride, uh, Daniel 5, let's look at verse 20 in the Amplified. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind and spirit were hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was deposed from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. When his heart was lifted up, that's one of the definitions for pride, and his mind and spirit were hardened. So what happened first? His heart was lifted up. And then what happened? His mind was hardened. His mind was hardened. Is that what Romans is talking about in Romans chapter 1? They refused to acknowledge God in their thinking. And what happened? God gave them over to a reprobate mind. They can't see it clearly. As it is, why? Because they refuse to acknowledge God. That's haughty. To not acknowledge God. Remember we talked about humility is an entire dependence upon God. It is recognizing God created me. God created everything I have. Everything on this planet, it came from Him. If it, if it's, the Lord who re, it's the Lord who redeemed me. It's the Lord who gave me new life. It's the Lord who ransomed me. It's the Lord who, who, who helped me to be in my right mind and, and be established in his plan. It's the Lord. And so can I take credit for anything if he did all that? If everything I have, you know, this body that I have, I didn't buy it. I didn't make it. My parents didn't make it. Because their bodies, they got from God too. Right? This air that I'm breathing, I did not manufacture it. This sunlight that's bringing me vitamin D and vitamin K, that's, 
that's growing the plants that have the vitamins that my body needs. Right? So this acknowledging of God is that fear of the Lord. It's that beginning of wisdom. It's that humility to recognize it is God who has made us and not we ourselves. Psalm 100. Hallelujah. It is for him that we were created. For his pleasure we were created. Hebrews says. Hallelujah. So recognizing in Revelations 1, Revelation says it as well. He, he, we are created for his pleasure. We are created by him and for him. Hallelujah. So this not about me, it's about him. That acknowledging, that mindset, that, that recognition of God, that acknowledging of God. I want you to think about this scripture in the light of what we've been learning. Acknowledge the Lord in all of, uh, uh, trust in the Lord with all of your ways and lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. What does a person do when they lean to their own understanding? I got this. I know this. I don't need to ask God because I know. Do you see the haughty? The high mind? So what he's saying is, is what we've been learning about, the humility. The trusting in the Lord is humility. Trusting in the Lord. Do you see how all of these things that God spoke to us about, how they, have, how, how they intertwine with each other? We saw this morning that developing the love walk. We, we read two verses from 1 Corinthians 13. And in 4 and 5, it gave such a description of humility, but it was describing what love looks like. What the love of God in action looks like. What does it look like? Humility. It's not arrogant. It's not puffed up. It vaunteth not itself. It's not vainglorious or seeking its own way. So it's, it's telling us what the love of God looks like, but it just described what we've been learning about humility. Hallelujah. So we've got... We've got the love connected to humility, but we've also got trusting in God. That's what the Lord said, trusting in God, His ways, and His word, their safeguards. Trusting in God is humility. Because I'm saying, Lord, I'm putting all of my trust, my confidence, not in my way, but in your way. Not in my plan, but in your plan. Not in my ideas, but your ideas. Not in my strength, but your strength. I'm trusting you. And that humility in the trust positions us for what? God's help. <laughs> Why? Because God gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. So this, this recognition of pride so that when we see it in our lives, we're not learning this so we can identify it in our husband or wife. You are not the pride police. Ooh, you need to listen to Pastor Michelle's message again, honey. You've got a, a bad attitude today. No, no, no. We're not the pride police. This isn't for us to identify it in others because that alone is pride, right? This is for us to introspectively look at our lives and say, am I puffed up about that? Am I offended? Did the way that they answer get me all upset because if I'm easily offended what am I not 
humble. Yeah, I'm not walking in love. Why? Because that offense is because it came against my pride. So the, as he's asking us to develop in humility, what he is telling us is to, to gain a greater flow of humility, which means that we are flushing out the pride. We're recognizing it and addressing it. That we're saying, I don't want that attitude. I don't want that prideful attitude. I don't want that prideful sound in my voice. I don't want to look at, at that person with a prideful, judgmental criticism of them. I want the thoughts and the intents of my heart to honor God. Amen? So, glory to God. This helps us if, if pride blinds the mind or numbs the mind, hardens the mind, then if I stay humble, then it will be a safeguard. It will protect my ability to perceive things from God's perspective. So Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 18. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, again, I have utilized the Amplified probably more in this teaching than any other, but I want it to be clear. Ephesians 4.18. Let's actually begin in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not... I'll go Amplified here because I don't use henceforth. So this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord, as in his presence. Ooh, that's pretty, he's really testifying, right? That you must no longer live as the heathen, the Gentiles do, in their perverseness, in the folly, vanity, and the emptiness of their souls, and the futility of their minds. Verse 18, their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is beclouded, they are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception, listen, the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to the hardness of their heart, the insensitiveness of their moral nature. Notice it said willful blindness. That hardness of the heart is another way to describe pride. Whenever you see they hardened their heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart. That hardening of the heart is a response of pride. We are not to, he said, that you don't walk that way. They've hardened their heart and what happens? Vanity in their mind. They don't see anything of the word, of the light of God in their minds. Why? Because they've hardened their heart against God. They've hardened their heart against his promptings. Okay. So we see now God's perspective on pride, the effect that pride has in our lives. Let's look at James chapter six, chapter 4, verse 6. 
Thank you, Father. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Did you know you can get more grace? Did you know he, he, he is able to cause all grace to abound towards us? Right? He's able to cause grace to abound towards us. He gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud. God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Let's go amplified. But he gives us more and more grace. More and more grace. Power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. He gives us more and more grace. I'm thankful for more and more grace. I want to qualify for the more and more grace. I want to position myself for the more and more grace. That's why he says... God sets himself against. Oh, Lord, let me never be there. Let me never be in that place where God sets himself against. I don't want to ever be in that position. He sets himself against the proud and haughty. But he gives grace continually. Continually. That's me right there. That's where I want to be, Lord. Let me be in that continual place. Continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. Do you see why God is asking us to develop our humility? Why? He's intending to get more grace to us. He's working to position us for more of His help. There are things that this church is going to do there are things that this church family is going to move into. There are lives that we're going to touch. There are buildings and lands that we're going to possess. There are expansions and growths that are going to take place. And it's not because of our great strength. It's not because of our great wit. It's not because of our great personality. It's because God's going to help us. He's going to give us more and more grace to help us do it. He's going to give us more and more help that we need to be able to do it and do it debt free. Hallelujah. How's that going to happen? Not by my right arm, but by his favors because he has favor to us. He needs us to be in a position where we are humble enough to receive more and more help. More and more of his goodness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. He continually gives grace, continually, to those who are humble enough to receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For those who are humble enough to receive it. That's us. That's where we're growing to. Amen. Hallelujah. First Peter. Chapter 5. Verse 5. 
Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. You see that submit word? Where's that fall into? Humility or pride? It says go low, so submission is going low. You younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Now, he's gone through and he's talked about the flock of God. He's talked about the chief shepherd. He said, submit, yea, all of you. All of you be subject one to another. Submit to one another. Be humble to each other. Right? And be clothed with humility. Talking to everybody. Be clothed with humility. Put it on like a, a, a garment. So you've got to choose to be humble. You've got to choose to put the garment on. Be clothed with humility. When you're interacting with each other in the, in the church family, when you're interacting in your home with your spouse, with your children, be clothed. Put on the garment of humility. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. Let's go amplified right here. Hallelujah. Clothe, apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as... The garb of a servant. Humility as the garb or the clothing or the attire of a servant. So that it is covering. Its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you. That's serious, isn't it? Put on humility so, so specifically, so um, completely that nobody's... Wrong words or bad look or oversight is going to offend you and that garment's going to fall off. So that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another. For God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful, and he opposes frustrates and defeats them. He opposes the proud. He frustrates the proud. He defeats the proud, but he gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're seeing that this is God's instruction to us. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God. Now, I'm going to say this again because I've, I attempted to express it this morning and I didn't feel like I expressed it as accurately as I could have. When he says that you are to regard others as better than yourself, that doesn't mean you have to think low of yourself to do it. God doesn't want self-depreciation. He doesn't want us to, to look at ourselves and say, I'm worthless, I'm nobody, I'm nothing, but you're something. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, have a correct estimate of yourself. Look at yourself and say, I praise God. And, and think about this. You know how many times you've missed it. You're not supposed to be looking at your brother and sister in Christ and recognizing how many times they've missed it, right? So he's saying, 
Have the correct estimation of yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly, the Bible says. More highly than you ought to think. So humility is thinking truthfully about myself. Thinking in line with what is true about me. Not thinking about myself something that's not true, but also not depreciating myself so that I can make somebody else look good in my estimation. No, the Word of God, the, the life of God in us, provides us the, the accurate ability for me to regard someone else with a high estimation and at the same time not have to break myself down to do it. Pride always has to break everybody else down to make yourself feel good. Pride, pride will be critical of everyone else to feel good about themselves. But humility is able to regard or esteem someone else's value and worth without having to make my value of nothing. Without having to depreciate the value of who I am. Amen? So when he says here, that, uh, can you pull that scripture back up from 1 Peter 5, 6? 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. God wants to exalt us. That's his objective. And that's the reason that he is emphasizing humility. Because the honor that comes from God is the honor that we want. Not the honor that we can get from, from, from fellow man or for ourselves. We want the honor that comes from God. And he said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, make yourself a servant. If you want to be great in the, in the kingdom, humble yourself and you'll be exalted. Humble yourself and you'll be exalted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good to us, isn't he? He's helping us. He's helping us more than we know. Hallelujah. Let's look at John chapter 5. Verse 39. And this is the Father's will... Which hath sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing. And I am five, I'm in six. Hold on a second. Five. And 39. 539. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that comes from God only. 
Did he just describe the pride of men, the pride of life that 1 John warns us about? He just described, he said, if someone else comes in their own name, you would, you would honor him. You would receive him. But I've come in my Father's name. I'm not coming to seek my own glory. I'm not coming in my own honor. I'm coming to honor the Father who sent me. So he is letting us know that there is an honor that comes from God, and it's the honor we should seek. It's the honor that we should seek. Now, we've gone through a lot of areas in our life where we've renewed our minds. We've renewed our minds to to things that we used to say that were negative. We've renewed our minds to, to things that we would say that opened the door to sickness or to lack. We've renewed our minds. This is an area of renewing the mind. There is an honor that comes from God. It's the honor I'm after. That's the difference between ambition and and that holy passion. That ambition is what the disciples were arguing for. I want the seat at the right hand or on the left hand. That's what... That they were trying, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? What were they wanting? Jesus said, you're wanting the position of authority. It's not mine to give. You're wanting that position, though. You're, you're, you're crawling up that proverbial ladder that really doesn't exist, trying to give position. And he said, in the kingdom, it's not like that. In the ways of God, it's not like that. In the ways of God, love rules. In the ways of God, he who will be greatest must become as a servant. So it's a renewing. It's a changing of the thought pattern to say, I want the honor that comes from God. I'm seeking the honor of God. I want to be the husband, the wife, the daughter. I want to be the the, uh, person on my job that God looks at and says, that one's honoring me. Amen? I want the honor that comes from God. Hallelujah. That's our desire. And because we desire that, we're recognizing pride is not allowed in my heart. If I catch it, if I see it, if I sense it, if it, if it springs up in me, I'm going, to, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to bring myself to a place of, of, of recognition that that is something I don't want in my emotions. I don't want it in my vocabulary. I don't want it operating in my marriage. I don't want that pride anywhere in my life. Amen? And when we humble ourselves, what's going to happen? Grace. God's grace is going to come. His grace is going to come in and help in that relationship. His grace is going to come in and help on your job. His grace is going to come and he'll be able to bring that grace and more and more grace, continual grace, because we're continually putting ourselves in the position where we're depending on God. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to we've covered a lot and it's kind of 
heavy stuff. So I'm going to stop here, and we're going to honor the Lord in our tithe and offering tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We covered a lot of scripture, though, didn't we? We, we saw some things. The light is shining on our path. The light is shining. Did you just feel your, your spirit sharpening on that wheel? The sparks were flying. But you're, you're walking away sharp. You're walking away. The enemy better watch out because you could slice him. I mean, just like they hold up that piece of paper and it slices, it dices. <laughs> Cutting through a phone book. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what you are now after you've been through that Holy Spirit sharpening.